0: All right, soccer freaks, this is ATL on Fire, the podcast where we're going to be talking all things Atlanta United Football Club. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy. everybody it is atl on fire thanks for tuning in and uh we have the fire lit here in the man cave dave thanks for joining as always how's it going good how are you Uh, i'm a little sad (laughs) as as i'm sure a lot of our listeners are Uh, i don't see why yeah i uh i was just telling you before we dialed it up here that yeah when i saw it happen i really thought uh yeah that's a That's an ACL,
1: and and he stood up and gave me a little hope, and then not so much. So, dear podcast listeners, by the time you're listening to this, you'll probably all know, but in case you don't, Joseph Martinez, ACL. Yikes. I didn't think it was an ACL at all. I thought he just got nipped a little bit on the knee, and I thought day-to-day at worst. I was wrong.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's the sound of the fire in the background. We finally have a legitimate... uh, Reason to have a fire. Maybe our last, though, is starting to warm up here in Atlanta. I know. So, um, spring. yeah, what do you think we're going to do
1: to solve that gap? I mean, there's no solving it. There is no solving it. I mean, you know, the only player on Atlanta United who is irreplaceable is Joseph Martinez. Um, we have actually a very deep squad. They've done a beautiful job of, of having a lot of reserves, and yet... Um, you know, the only player who's completely irreversible, irreplaceable is uh, Joseph Martinez.
0: Yeah, and so I was playing around with uh, a little program on trying to figure out what our formation might be without him. I mean, we only have one other striker right now. Um, was it Adam John? I got a formation for you. Yeah? It's
1: called 4-4 Panic. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, Four in the back. Four in the midfield and panic up front. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but really, like, what are our options at this point to manufacture some goals with the best? I mean, it's like La F- La uh, or not La uh, La Galaxy losing Zlatan, but I mean, yeah. you know, how do you make up thirty goals?
1: You can't. I mean, there's. I mean, you, you, and you can't really try to make it up that way. You have to make it up as a team and. And so obviously DeBoer has to figure out a way that is a completely different style, if you will. I mean, maybe as sad as it is, maybe we have to go back to being, you know, winning games 1 0 and really just keeping the ball the whole time and, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, the, the other thing is, as I was playing around with what our potential starting 11 is with Guzan, Mesa, Robinson, Escobar, hopefully all healthy. And then Bello, hopefully helpful, uh, healthy. Lennon on the right side. Um, you know Remedy, Hyman, and you know, the new Brazilian, Joseto, who would be uh, in the mix there. And then Barco Martinez. I mean, that's still a lot of talent on the field. Um, you know, Last night, obviously, Barco shooting the ball looked pretty solid as well. So maybe there's some hope there.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh there's going to be a lot of weight on Barco and PD shoulders and Josetto, which we've learned, uh you know, I was thinking it was Rosetto, but it's Rosetto, I think. Um sort of like an H. Yeah. But uh anyway, um you know, you got to pray that that guy can really play. Um and he's supposed to be attacking, you know, midfielder and you were kind of wondering, why do we need another attacking midfielder? Well, maybe <laughs> maybe we know why. Um yeah, I mean, he's got to be a baller. I mean, if it turns out that he's a baller and we have three, four guys, we got some, you know, you know, flank play down the wings now because we finally have some pace out there, um, maybe. Yeah. But um, I think you have to... You have to really rethink the way you're gonna play and the and the, the danger here is to say, look, we can't score goals, so we're gonna be, you know, really patient in the build up and keep the ball and then, you know, the margin becomes so small yeah. that it can go south so fast. Uh, I, I, I don't I don't know the complete answer, but
0: well, let's see how that unfolds, but let's talk about last night's performance. Um, what did you think of the game in
1: Nashville? What did you think about the whole, you know, inaugural game for Nashville themselves? Uh, brilliant. You know, I mean, MLS wins again. Um, opening crowd, over 50,000 in the stadium. Um, you know, again, if you had told me growing up that there would be 50,000 for any game in American soccer, I would have told you you're crazy. So I know. I, got, I just... Was shaking my head watching it.
0: Uh, Honestly, you know, Tennessee first off, at all states, right? Like, and and you know, growing up in the southeast, I know Tennessee's got great youth soccer. But yeah, to actually see it in a city, and I've never been in Nashville, so I was kind of bummed. Didn't didn't make it up there. Mm -hmm. Um, If I wasn't going on a ski trip next week, I'd have probably tried to pull that off. But um, just seemed like such a an awesome thing that is truly a watershed moment for MLS to have that many people at an opening soccer game in, you know, in not one of the U.S.'s biggest cities.
1: The thing that's amazing is that th- this is no longer a rarity. I mean, this is this can happen in any one of these cities. You know, you can have huge crowds across America for American soccer, which um, bodes extremely well for the future of MLS. Yeah, and, you know, obviously...
0: Uh, Atlanta had a lot of people on the road that uh, were able to, to drive up 85 to get up there. And uh, Doug Roberson from the AJC reported uh, with no specific facts, just eyeballing it, that he thought 15,000 plus uh, were in attendance. Uh, people that were at the game were saying maybe it's more than that. So I don't know what, what your thoughts Was there any
1: official number? I didn't see an actual attendance, although I know that they sold over fifty thousand tickets, and you can't imagine too many people bought tickets for opening day and didn't show. Right. So I imagine that's a re- legit number. Right. And- I mean, you got to keep in mind, like we were talking about it last week, right? That and and I think we're going to touch on it later about the salary cap. We have draconian rules in the MLS about the number of charter flights you can have. Right. Yeah. And in the opening season, we had rules like they were debating about how much crowd noise and music you could pump into the stadium to make it seem like there are there are fans there. Okay. Those rules were because they were expecting to be struggling along with you know five thousand people a game, seven thousand people a game, whatever, what what you know, whatever that is, and. You know, it just doesn't exist in MLS anymore, right? Like, you know, even the teams that are not that well supported, you know, clearly get 15,000, 20,000. And the teams that are well supported, obviously, sky's the limit. Right.
0: And, you know, I did find it interesting. Um, and maybe I just was looking the other way at, at moments. Did seem like the broadcast was trying to downplay maybe the Atlanta invasion. <laughs> um, and yeah. it was definitely focused on the supporters group in Nashville. Um so I you know would love to know really what that ratio was but awesome to see that that many people actually traveled to Nashville several hours hours away to go support Atlanta United. You
1: won't know until you hit mid-season and you know they're maybe struggling and you see what the attendance is like. I mean again we talked about it about Cincinnati it's amazing how poor a team Cincinnati was last year and yet they're still showing up. Yeah.
0: So 2 to 1 um you know Three points is the best thing to say about that game. Um, you know, there was some some nice moments for sure on on both beautiful goals from Atlanta United, but other than that, you know, it seemed like things weren't totally clicking. And I was also kind of happy for Nashville to have gotten a goal. Um, I know that's a little weird to say, yeah, but you
1: want to get a goal. But, but you know, game. having
0: having Ben and Do- uh, Bobby Dodd in that first game and yep. when Assad scored, just for like the fans there to kind of like feel that buzz is is a good thing ours
1: was harsh because we had the lead and then it (laughs) fell apart but uh yeah i agree with you to get it to get a goal in your opening game is is fantastic but i actually i have to disagree with you a little bit about the the game in that i actually was thinking for the first time that i maybe could see the Deboer where you keep possession but still had right. a dynamic attack cuz last year we either had possession or we had a dynamic attack and we could never get the combination but i actually thought in that game that we had a lot of possession and yet when we when we went forward we went forward with a purpose and it wasn't just this endless you know passing around the back yeah. and so i could kind of see it and I, of course you know, that's predicated. It's built around Joseph Martinez. So, you know, what a terrible moment to finally get it
0: right. But, yeah. Um, and um, at one of our previous uh, guests on the podcast, Billy, and I were talking about this. And I, it was my opinion, and, and I loved him kind of echoing it, was uh, the man of the match, in my opinion, is Mesa. And I am trying to disagree. There's plenty of players that play great. Um, but, you know, it was roughly... Kind of one of those nights. It's hard to pick a man of the match, and LGP for the love he got was always over the drama, over being <laughs> over aggressive, or um, you know doing something that uh, you know was a spectac- spectacular tackle, but aggressive. Whereas Mesa, you, know, you want the people in the
1: back to be quiet and never talked about. That's how you know they're having a good game. And so, yeah, you forget that he's even there, which is, means that he's doing it right. That's and, right. And uh, the thing about Mesa that's been stunning to me to begin with is how quickly he has just settled, yeah. right? I mean, most of the players take time to settle it. He looks like he's been playing Atlanta United for the past, you know, five, seven years. Totally. And, um... <laughs> which gets us back to our theme, you know, our, our motto, right? I was going to say that, you know, our motto of the podcast is, you know, we know a lot about soccer, we know uh, some about MLS, and we know a fair amount about Atlanta United, but we're going to talk about it all. But I have to say... It's changed ...that if we're going to talk about the salary cap structure, then the motto is kind of BS. Because yeah. you can't talk about the salary cap structure and say that you know nothing about MLS. So I, was, I think the new motto should be Atlanta United... Fourth season, sixth year of the podcast. <laughs> like we've been, In our minds, we've been doing it for. We forever. don't need no stinking
0: motto. Um, I don't know where this is going next. All right, so Joseph injury. Oh, the other surprise thing with Escobar getting injured in the game was
1: um, this young kid that we signed
0: like the day before or the morning of.
1: Well, he had played for Atlanta United, two last year. So he had been training around or whatever. So they... Well, you'll talk about it because I don't understand it. But Atlanta United Two is connected, right? But they're not. The Atlanta United Two players are not officially on our MLS roster per se, and, and to get them, they have to sign them up, right? Yeah,
0: um, but <laughs> in general, I thought you know he came in obviously with very little prep um, and held his own. You know, it was, yeah, it was almost like it reminiscent of. And then we're talking like you know A class, B class, but. You know, Williamson, is it Williamson for uh, Man U? Um, Williams, Williamson, Man United, um, young kid in, the, in, the, in back? The, uh, the back left of uh, Manchester oh, United. Oh, wan No, not wan Oh,
1: or Luke Shaw? No.
0: Uh, am I talking to Man anyway. Maybe I got the wrong team. Yeah, yeah. it's Man United. Um, anyway, um, very kind of similar. It just looks like the kid's like 16 years old, you know, when he's on the field. Um, so I'm always impressed when they... Oh,
1: you're talking about the kid they played just a couple of
0: times. I, I, I can't remember his name. No, like he's that. a regular starter for Manchester United. Yeah. Not today. Every today, day. today was Luke Shaw. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs>
1: that's funny. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. All
0: right. So what So what? What else do you have to say about the game in, in Nashville?
1: Um, what in the world was the referee thinking in the last... Hmm. Five minutes. Oh, MLS is protecting
0: themselves with the pro uh, opinion on it that it wasn't going to be clear and obvious, and two other players probably could have gotten back because they're faster than a person who can kick a. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether the guy's defensive thing that they can't swallow their pride, like like VAR in EPL right now, like they just can't call an ace and ace and be like, all right, we're messing this
1: thing up. (laughs) Yeah. where we screwed it up. Every player on both teams knew that the goalkeeper was getting sent off for that. You come out to midfield, you don't get to the ball and you play goalkeeper at midfield, then you're getting sent off. It's an automatic red card. Like that's 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 the sole reason for that rule, right? So There was just no doubt about it. And actually, I think players on both teams were laughing about it a little bit. They are like, really? You're not going to give him a red card? I mean, I'm not for red cards, and I like the fact that now he doesn't have to sit out for whatever because it was meaningless play. But it's the definition of a red card. Yeah, I mean... He took one for the team. He knew that. He took one
0: for the team. Where was Barco shooting that? Like, let's just say if it's not clear and obvious that it was going to either go in the goal or slightly left or right to the goal, then how is that not a clear and obvious? And yeah, unless the players are the fastest people I've ever (laughs) seen— Um, yeah, the ball moves a lot faster than a guy yeah, sprinting. You just, you just cannot allow that. So MLS, I invite you to ATL on fire <laughs> to debate me on this one yeah. because either that or you should retract your article that you wrote because it's really pretty disgusting. It's right.
1: pathetic. That's it. But the refereeing continues. The fans continue to be great. The, the, the play gets better and better, but the refereeing continues to be rubbish. All right, Dave, we're moving right into trivia right oh, now boy. to just
0: lighten it up a little bit. Wow. Yeah, that's how it goes. You're not, and you know who's doing the trivia? You're the guest
1: as the <laughs> co host. Color and the guest. And you know, we can flip this back I'm and I'm going to go with true.
0: So next time, if you want to formulate 10 trivia questions, oh, you can throw them at me. Flip the script. I'm to flip the script. I like it. So who composed the new MLS theme song? I didn't even know we had a new MLS. Theme yeah, well, there song. you go. So there's a new MLS anthem. Um, who was it composed by? Who would compose the anthem? I would play it as our intro, but I'm worried about copyright infringement. <laughs> I was gonna put it at the end of the podcast to see if it would get the podcast like ripped off of Apple, but I'm not gonna go there.
1: I have to say, you know, MLS has been you know up with the current music, so you would think it would be a uh, you know current star, but it, you know you think some somebody fancy like Post Malone or whatever, but you don't think of him as Anthems. So, yeah. uh, I have no idea. Yeah, Hans
0: Zimmer, of course. Yeah. Um, so you know, <laughs> definitely they they uh, they stepped up and got somebody good. I don't know who he is either. I've never heard of. Him. Evidently, he's he's pretty renowned. But okay, it, you know, listening to it, I liked it, and it's growing on me. Okay. Um, we'll uh, we'll listen to it after no, this podcast. you so, can
1: ask yourself, why does MLS need a theme song?
0: Because man, it's it's like HBO, like it's sonic branding. Okay. That's why you need it. I'm a marketer, man. I get it. I get that. Like uh, in, in like you, the Champions League the music they play like, every time. That's awesome. Yeah, you hear it. You're like, that. oh, I'm pumped. And 25th yeah. anniversary of MLS. Um, right. You know, they kind of stepped it up with a, a big game. They paid this guy a lot. I mean, he's pretty famous, evidently. Right. Um, you know, I'm not into uh, orchestra jam, but I, I like the jam. All right. Does MLS have a limit on international slots for teams? Can yes. You, can you have? Can you have too many international players?
1: Yes. They have. I think it's. Uh, so that's a true or false question, and your your answer is yes. It's true. I think it, 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 there's a limit of
0: seven. False. What? How about that for laying a little education on you, Dave? So each team in 2019 is allotted eight international. Player slots. Right. So Atlanta you know, United. Now you can trade right. them. You can trade yeah. them for Tam and Game. Oh, so because you can so trade some them. Teams, See, now that's a trick question. It is though. a trick question.
1: But some, <laughs> but there, but there's, some there's teams you have, can trade for more. Some teams
0: have more and some teams have less. Yeah, but than
1: that would be, you know, so you can get around that rule by trading for an extra slot, but that still means that there's a there's no limit. We're going to have to go to the,
0: yeah, the public for go that to, one. Yeah, go to the, go to the Twitter <laughs> for that. All right. It's a trick question, but the, I, mm-hmm. I got some softballs in here, so you're going to okay. make it. All right. What Brazilian club did we get Matheus Roseto from? You know, I should know that. And I it's don't. really hard to pronounce, I can tell you that. I'm looking at the words, and I'm struggling with it. So.
1: Yeah, I was going to say I thought it was like Flamingo, but it's not. Um, I don't know. It's Campeonato Paraniense. Hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. a club, I don't know. I knew it wasn't one of the right, really tough right. one of the big
0: clubs. Softball then. What is the new four-legged mascot's name for Atlanta United?
1: <laughs> new four-legged mascot.
0: I mean, come on.
1: We have a four-legged mascot? He's, he's I didn't like know uh that he's,
0: he's a safety safety uh you know, he's, he's a dog that's being trained by the Atlanta United. Oh, there's a dog I yeah. did see
1: something about. I didn't read that because I was like, who cares? I know. Um, can I'm we a, call him the Four Stripe? I'm a yellow lab. Five Stripes? And we, and we saw our dog. He's I'm going to go five with Five long. Stripe. We
0: call him Five Stripe? Close. Oh. There's one other big tradition oh. at Atlanta United before the game. The Spike? The Golden Spike? Spike is his name. Ah, that's right. Yeah. got it. Gotcha. The new Chicharito signing by the LA Galaxy was for more or less than five
1: million. More or less than five million. It was close to that. Um, you made it hard because I want to say it was more like six or seven. You're right. It was six, roughly six, reportedly six something. So yeah, okay, you're right on. It's close. Uh, the new
0: coach of the Montreal Impact is who? Ah, that's uh Thierry Henry. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty big uh yeah, grab by them, right? And he pro- Well, he coached in MLS before, briefly. He proactively wanted the job and they didn't interview anybody else for
1: it, right? Well, so he coached at MLS briefly in New York and then um he got signed to one of the French clubs, Lyon or Nice or something like this, and he was the manager there and just crashed and burned. I mean, it was horrible. Yeah. And I think he wanted to come back. Yeah. All right, so uh, this
0: I may have asked this before, I don't know, on a previous trivia one, but this MLS player has the most goals in one match. In the oh, MLS. Most goals in one match.
1: <sighs> Give you a hint. I played against him in college. Whoa. we played against him in college, would it be like Clint Mathis? Bam. Got it. So he scored five out of six goals
0: for the New York Metro Stars. Against Dallas in 2000, evidently. Wow, that's a hell of a game, though. That is a hell of a game. I mean, five goals. In, five goals in, is
1: like, in, you know, so but you got to remember, like to in be. the early days of the MLS, some of the games were like seven six. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, impressive though. I there would be, was no defending. Big, that was not early days though, so I give it to that. That was, yeah, that was you know middle era yeah. MLS, not the current era, which I think is a much more sophisticated era. But it wasn't the 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 real dark ages of MLS, the early days. Yeah. All right, so how wide is NYFC's field at Yankee Stadium? Six yards. (laughs) It can't be more than six yards. So you got the six-yard box, which, of course, is not six yards wide. But, um, you know, so their field, let's see. So the 18-yard box... Right. Um, <laughs> <You> know, 20. <laughs> it's 20. The yeah. sideline is like one foot wide. It really does.
0: But it's 70 yards, yeah. evidently. Okay. Um, or 60 <laughs> meters wide, which is basically the smallest that uh, FIFA will allow for international guidelines. Mm. And
1: it looks so ridiculous on TV when yeah, they play there. I know there's rumors they're going to the Bronx. Um, yeah, but... they're, they're talking about building a new stadium right next to Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. Okay. That's where they play at Yankee Stadium. They're gonna. They're, I guess there's room in that development to put another stadium in the complex. But yeah. But I don't know. All right. Who is Atlanta United's new goalkeeper coach?
0: Replacing Aaron Hyde, who went to the U.S. Men's National Team. I don't know. His name is Liam Curran.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. So. Okay. Goose is getting trained by Liam. All right. Name the Nashville or. The Orlando City um, coach. What's what's the name of either one of those clubs' coach as of today?
1: Well, we saw the guy last night, so I should know his name, but I don't know. He's, he uh, played for Fulham. Yeah, and he played in the MLS too. Oh, did he? Um, for Colorado, yeah, but I can't remember. It's a his very name. American name that he has. Yeah, I don't know. Gary Smith is the
0: Nashville coach, and I believe. Um, the other guy for Orlando played for maybe the U.S. Men's National League, but I might be totally wrong on that. Oscar Pereira. Yeah. Now no, woman.
1: Oscar Pereira they, is new, right? Is he yeah, Mexican? He, he might be Mexican. I think he's Mexican. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's trivia. Okay. Works, I did poorly. That's
0: way, way easier to not keep. I thought playing.
1: you were going to go with 25th anniversary questions, like who scored the first MLS goal? Do you know? It's about to get thick here. We're going to Do you know, move. can I ask you that? Who scored the first MLS goal ever? Oh, well, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yes. <laughs> when all the, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know,
0: I only knew that because of the anthem and uh, oh, does it talk Hans about Zimmer, that? and they showed him scoring oh, the goal okay. for the Fair history, enough. so that's how I knew that. Sweet. Um, so I've been getting a little listener feedback, Dave, on... Okay, which must mean we're
1: making progress.
0: Making progress, people are listening, you're getting feedback. People are
1: listening all over America, I mean, Atlanta, I mean,
0: Avondale Estates. I mean, that's about (laughs) it. So, now, yeah, we'll go to some Avondale Estates people, um, which is mainly the feedback. But, um, Noob says we should jump right in, so we did that check, like, no procession on we didn't even the, talk about the wine mute. we didn't we're drinking some josh we can talk about it now though the josh is fantastic um yep, it's
1: a cabernet from california thank you for bringing that i need i need a, re- a reload and right. um i could help you with Brian that. ryan
0: robinson also says uh segments are good right so we jumped into that already we did some trivia and uh we're going to go into mls overview we're going to do um we just talked about wine that's a segment yeah um we're going to do Cat's Corner and What's Got Mike Fiery. Uh, so there's going to be a couple sessions uh, or segments in here. And we actually had a Twitter response from, uh, from Nathan uh, Balmies uh, that uh, we should go into a little bit more of an explanation around the MLS budget.
1: It shows you what a sophisticated listener that we have that they want to hear about the MLS salary cap. Yeah, and um,
0: it's, so the first thing to to educate you on, you shouldn't think of it as a cap; it's oh. a budget. Okay, a budget. My bad. Because it's, <laughs> in, in theory, there is no cap, right? There is no cap. You could have paid PT Martinez or Barco, um, you know, as much as as we wanted to, as long as it gets approved by the MLS uh, as an entity through Arthur Blank, willing to write that check. So okay. that's kind of the first thing when we talk about all the nuances
1: of the budget and how uh, that's good. I didn't want to have to take a paycheck when I get signed. So now I feel better. Yeah.
0: So, (laughs) I mean, but that is the, the first place to start is, is us sports and the MLS fits into that same construct of Atlanta United is essentially a franchise of all the, like every other team that rolls up into the big entity of corporate MLS. Um, and so okay. Arthur Blank, while he's the owner of Atlanta United, essentially owns one of the franchises. So yes, he owns it, um, but he also is a part owner in MLS in in the equation,
1: right? So, so you're saying that Atlanta United is sort of like McDonald's? Yes, <laughs> okay. it's a good way to look at it, in, or to think about it, which is a little weird.
0: It's, it's a little not weird. how other organizations work. So the, in the EPL, right, my Wolves. Are an independent club, right? So, whoever owns that, and I can't remember who he is, I think it's maybe a Chinese uh, conglomerate. What are you talking about? So, like in the EPL, okay, in the EPL, uh, in, in English Premier League, mm-hmm. each club, uh, the owner actually owns the club, right? Mm-hmm. And they roll up into an association that governs the guidelines right. of the English Premier League. That's not how it is in Major League Soccer. Major League Soccer owns all the teams, yeah, okay, correct. and yeah. Arthur Blank is an investor that. Owns a portion of the MLS and controls the decisions of one of the franchises, which
1: is Atlanta United. That's kind of the way to think about it. Okay, um, I got it. Franchise, All right, you got we got to um, make our fries better than the other McDonald's down the road. Right. Got it. And so, of the teams, right, <laughs> the budget that each team
0: has in in 2020 to spend on players starts with kind of. You know, think about passing out money at the beginning of a board game. It's 4.9 million here in 2020.
1: 4.9 That's million. That's what you
0: got. So there's there's your bank, right? Like go spend that on players however you want to distribute. My Monopoly
1: game doesn't have that many bills in it because the children probably lost most of them. Yeah. In in
0: 2021, <laughs> it moves to 5.2 and I think okay. the CBA has it continued to progress, right? So that increases spending that we can get more quality players and compete with Liga-Mexico in coming years. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. You know, on teams' rosters, there's 30 players that are on a roster. Speaking
1: of competing, I have to say, do we have any chance against Club America at the Azteca without Joseph? No. Let's move on. This is, <laughs> okay. I'm going to try to get through. All right. Sorry. I'll, I'll stop. I'm, I'm... All right. So,
0: okay. So we got $4.9 That is basically um, applied to the first senior roster players which is the 20 players that make up your senior roster out of the 30 okay and um, and then there's other nuances right so 21 through 24 is your supplementary 25 through 30 is your reserves or um, and actually 29 and 30 actually are reserved for your homegrown players um, you actually have to fill those last two spots with homegrown players and how many spots are reserved for the local podcast? Well, there should be one for Mike Dobbs to get in there for for uh, you know, you know, trying to at least get one head ball in now that Josephs out because I know jo- well Adam John look good, but I feel like you know I can get my belly in there and lean over the ball and you know try to. No, get- I
1: think they should have a roster, a podcast roster spot, and obviously <laughs> ATL on fire would be the one to choose. So if you're listening, Arthur Brank, then uh, we're here for you.
0: All right, so we've got the kitty. Each team has their budget, right, of, uh, of 4.9. Now, the maximum you can spend on any of those 20 players on your senior roster is 530000 into 2020. So that's the maximum salary for a senior roster player. That's per player. That's per, 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 okay. per, per player. Got it. Of course, we know that senior roster players like Brad Guzan, right? are getting paid more than that and i don't because
1: know, when we started mls it was like five hundred thirty thousand for the whole team yeah
0: <laughs> and so and so what happened right is is this is a way to protect mls in the early days in like 1996 it was right. very uh, economically you know fragile right and so this allowed a little bit of parity in terms of uh, making sure like the entity was was uh you know balancing itself but as 2007 rolled around and you had teams like LA Galaxy that were successful and they wanted to spend players um, that could make a big splash, they brought in David Beckham. I've um, heard of him. They, they actually didn't create the rule for David Beckham, but did coincide with the year that the d- designated player rule came into effect um, where you were able to um, go above um, uh, above the five, uh, 530, which was different back then. That 530 was a much right. lower number. But essentially, what what that means is you're paying the 530 that that goes against your books, right? So in the accounting, right, 530 is what you're spending on David Beckham, or in in, in this case, if we wanted to bring in a new designated player in Atlanta United, it would only apply 530, with, which is the maximum
1: uh, single roster uh, value that you or cost that you would apply to a player. But now, get, Man City just got caught for cooking the books do you think any mls teams are cooking the books well i think it's a little easier for the accountants to figure it
0: out the way that it's structured um but yes it does it does create a lot of similarities some of the financial fair play in the epl is for the same reasons that mls has its weird structure that we're faced with right now is because you're kind of seeing that in the epl which is the top four teams just the rich get richer Mm -hmm. and I think MLS early on wanted to make sure that 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 wasn't the case and so that's the whole reason we're about to get into this weird conversation of Gam and Tam Um, (laughs) but to bring in more talent right? we needed the David Beckham rule which is for the designated player to be able to be paid something over 530 right? so if we want to bring in PT Martinez if we're like hey PT 530? No thanks I'll wait on my European contract right? so um mas por favor so what we're able to do is if arthur blank's willing to write a check above that um as the franchisee owner he can do that to whatever pretty much whatever number he wants it has to still get approved by mls as a fiscally Mm -hmm. responsible move yeah so let's say la galaxy wanted to bring in Messi, like he wanted to leave barcelona because it's on fire right now and they wanted to he wanted 50 million a year yeah i mean that could happen but the MLS still has to approve it, and LA Galaxy has to write the check, and only five thirty would be applied to the books. Is he a potential replacement
1: for Joseph Martinez? Uh,
0: no, because we are only allowed to pay two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Evidently, uh, for a replacement, even if we put him on the injury IR. And but it,
1: yeah, if you if you put a designated player on the IR, you can't get another replacement designated. This is where I'm over my skis on being able <laughs> okay. to help because I read um, the article in the AJC.
0: Evidently, we can only spend like two fifty on whoever a replacement is because there must so be. So Joseph
1: tore his ACL and he's like dead to us, but we can't just put him on a dead list and be like, okay, until you're back alive Evidently for us. not. And this is why the day that I'm
0: going to do my <laughs> MLS budget thing, there's something like, again, that makes this a more difficult conversation okay. than it should be.
1: Okay. All right. So there's three there different the types of
0: designated players, Dave. I don't know if you knew this. Um, so, Again, if you bring in a normal designated player, well, let's let's say a, a designated player that's over the age of 24, um, then again that 530 applies. But if you bring somebody that is uh, 23 or younger, uh, or 23 to 20, um, it only um, impacts the salary cap by 200,000 a year. If it's someone who's even younger than twenty, it's only
1: like one fifty, right? So, so there is a definite incentive to bring in younger players, right? So that's that's why you get Barco Barco at nineteen, and um, right, that's good. It makes sense. So with
0: Barco, right, we're only actually putting one fifty against the salary cap because you'd hate
1: to see everybody using DP slots on you know used, washed up European stars, you know who are going to play a year and they're not that good anymore and whatever. So this whole
0: thing of like how teams, again, this is what I was saying, it's an accounting exercise, and I'm sure Arthur has the best accountants looking at shifting things around here because you got the designated player um, who, you know, you want to be able to just bring in talent, right? So that that's one way to bring more more talent in. The other way is general allocation money. Now, evidently, every team gets an allotment of general allocation money every year, I know last year or the year before it was like two hundred thousand. I think it's probably moved up because it seems to be moving up every year. Okay, but again, it's like the board game. It goes through uh, around. Okay, new year, you get two hundred thousand dollars at Atlanta United in general allocation money. This is like getting two hundred for passing go. Exactly, pass and go another year, <laughs> um, and then I think with teams like Nashville and Miami, they do some sort of amateuriz- amateurization exercise where they look at history. And when they come into the league, they give them like a bigger
1: pool of money so that they can go out and acquire talent. So in our analogy, Atlanta United and Seattle are probably Boardwalk and Park Place. Yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah. Um, but in in general, general allocation money um, is meant to you know strengthen the roster, right? So you can do it in a number of ways. You can pay down uh, a designated player by using it. Um, so... There's ways to to even make somebody uh, move off the books as a designated player if you collect enough general allocation money, and I think we did this with um, maybe Tito. So if we're paying hmm. him say a million dollars a year and we take five hundred thousand in GAM, we can buy him down so that he's below that five thirty thre- five thirty threshold. And when
1: we sold Nogby, we got GAM. Is that true,
0: or do we get? Uh, I Bam. think we got GAM. I, mean, I know for I know for. Wrestle, we got tam which we're about to get to we got a million in that um (laughs) but yeah so that's the way to think so it's really about just buying down and and being able to just give your players more um however you want to use it and you can trade it you can do whatever you can almost trade anything evidently in the mls other
1: than designated players do you know that players in the past have been traded for goats no I wonder if we could, you know. <laughs> we don't have any gam, but we've got a few goats. So, all
0: right. So, I'll move on. The other way that, that teams get, uh, get money so they can keep investing is TAM. And every team every year gets like $1.2 million in um, the corporation's money so that they can go out there and build their roster with, with more talent. They also get $2.8 million, I think, optionally. And what that means is, hey, Arthur, you're rich. Why don't you go spend that on somebody uh, that's that's great out there, like an
1: Ezekiel Barco. Um, One and- thing I noticed was that, like, so part of that is dependent upon where you finish, right? So if you don't make the playoffs, you get more. But also, if you finish very high, like if you get a CONCACAF spot, you get more. Yeah, I have, right? it, I have it in our notes here. That's GAM.
0: Okay. Um, so, yeah, general okay. allocation money, um, you can get more when you fail to qualify for the
1: MLS Cup oh, playoffs. Right, right. right. So and like, I found that interesting because they've clearly used it to put in some incentives, right? That's right. But you also get incentivized, right, by um,
0: you know qualifying for CONCACAF, right? Mm-hmm. So the fact that we won the U.S. Open Cup, Atlanta got a little bit more GAM, right? Um, also... Transfers of a club's player to another club outside of MLS, like Almeron, we got some gam, right? So, becoming a selling club is a mm. good thing, right? So they're doing things like that,
1: um, and so they're you, using it sort of like the tax tax code in order to incentivize yeah. certain behaviors. So I'm going to try to shut this down because it's a it's a boring conversation. <laughs> but no, I'm having a good time actually. I'm learning yeah. a lot. So.
0: TAM really isn't that much different than GAM, which is in the new CBA. They're, they're essentially – I'll just distill it into – That's fo-
1: collective bargaining agreement for those of you in the
0: podcast. That's right. So that's like the, the recent agreement between the MLS and all the players to make sure that they're compensated correctly, that they get international – they get um, charter flights, um, things like that, um, money from some of the, the, the uh, media that's happening. But targeted allocation money, the main difference – is specifically to pay down a designated player's spot, right? Okay. And what the what happens is if you use targeted allocation money to let's say, let's say PT wasn't getting paid a huge salary, but it was like, you know, two million, and you wanted to take one point five million of TAM and buy him down, you could make him no longer a designated player. Uh. So by again, if you think about Gressel's TAM, we have one $1 million in TAM from the
1: Gressel So trade. that's our way to get messy, right? We buy down one of the right. DPs, they no longer become a DP, and now we have a DP slot, yeah. and we can go to the league and say we want yeah. to pay him the whatever.
0: Thi- the thing is, if you do that, you have to immediately have another designated player to fill. Huh. So when you do it, it has to be simultaneous. Okay. That's that's the contingency there. So that's the best way. Yeah, that but I, we would have that if we were signing Messi.
1: Right, so... Again, it's another way to... So it is possible to sign Messi. It is. Based on how much TAM we have. So that's, I mean, that's the gist tam. of TAM. That's the <laughs> gist of it. Now, there was a strike, right, at one point, right, in middle MLS years. there was a, The players went on strike about the collective bargaining agreement, I think. I don't and know. And some of the games got canceled, I thought. Maybe that was long before I was paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for the fans. Are you st- are you paying attention now? Really, mm-hmm. I truly
0: am. I watched yeah, the LA is true. I watched the L.A.F.C. Um, Leon game. Leon game really mm-hmm. entertaining, and honestly, like the and fact who that won it- that. You can tell the podcast listeners it was three nothing L.A.F.C. And by the way, they look really good. Yeah, they're um, they look they're really a bunch good. Of ballers Carlos on Bayless
1: that team is legit. So who went through? So, LA got, LAFC, Atlanta United is through. Yeah. Which is impressive because LAFC was totally on the ropes. Yeah. And I think... Right. The first leg was 2-0. It 2-0, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, who else? Um, Seattle. Or no, did Seattle lose? Um, I think four teams made it through, though. Four of the five. Okay.
1: Um, again, that's good for, for MLS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where are we
0: going on this podcast? I gotta we're gonna head go
1: head. to the Azteca, and we're gonna pull off an upset of Club America. Here we come. No doubt. With Rosetta. No, oh, Ros- we're going Rosetta. to. We're going to Cat's Corner. Rosetta making his debut in the Azteca. Can you imagine that? I would love to make that trip. It'd be bomb. Oh yeah, that too. But what do you think a, think a flight to uh, to Mexico City would cost? Not too much. Although nowadays. With the what, what is, when is that gonna coronavirus, happen? there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Oh, if I'm going to get catch the coronavirus,
0: I want it in Mexico City. <laughs> 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 Can you get the
1: coronavirus anywhere else but Mexico? Otherwise, it's probably like I a Sam care. Adams virus or a, uh, you know.
0: <laughs> so I could have made this anything, Dave, but I don't know why. My notes okay. say that Cat's Corner, since you were coining the phrase, the MLS first touch. Yes. What is the problem with... Um, you know, when you think about Atlanta United, if you're paying attention, podcast listeners, notice Joseph P.T. Martinez and Barca's first touch. And Hyman's is pretty nice, too. Um, everybody else is a little dicey. And you'll see that um, ac- across the board. And. You know that's the difference again between some of the European higher level teams. When you see that just that first moment on the ball, it just makes all the difference.
1: Well, the the guy who really illustrates the the counter example is Nagby, right? I yeah. Mean, his first touch is magic. You can just drill the ball into him or whatever, and the ball just the first touch goes where he wants to go. And th- this is you know at the end of the day, when you get to the highest levels, this is really the big difference. Right, first touch means everything, but you know. So, so my feeling about American soccer and MLS and first touch. People say, "Oh, you know, we're not training first touch. We're not doing that." Maybe, but I'm not really sure that you can truly drill first touch. Certainly, you know, practice gets better, but I, I think at some level, first touch is sort of a part of you. There are people who have it, and there are people who don't, and. My, my problem is that we not only have done nothing to select players with first touch, we have incentivized the opposite, right? Which is so, you know, anybody who has a kid playing soccer these days will know that once a year you go to a tryout, you know, for your club or even, you know, if they're trying to make, you know, a higher level, an ODP or a super wide team or whatever, They go to a tryout, right? If you watch a tryout and there are, you know, there are small-sided games and there are 40 players out there or maybe you're even watching an 11v11 game or whatever, not too often do you go and say, you know what, that guy made a phenomenal first touch, right? And that's why I'm going to take him. And even if you did, even if you said to yourself, look, I'm going to take players who have a first touch, you can't see it enough in a tryout situation because, you know, how many times they, you know, a player may get the ball, you know, five, 10, 15 times, whatever it is, but most of the time they're getting the ball maybe some open spaces. On a week in and week out basis, you get the ball in a tight space and you find out who's got a good, great yeah. first touch, right? Or if you put a guy through and he's good, he needs a great first touch to get in on goal, right? And my problem is, you know, in a tryout kind of situation, when we're selecting players, you look for the guy who scores the goal or the guy who makes the killer through pass for the assist yeah. or maybe a guy who gets on the ball all the time. But you don't see first touch. It's, it's almost you, impossible.
0: Wouldn't you classify, kind of what you're saying, the pace on passing to in the same category of first yeah. touch? So it's, it's things that um, yeah. are less sexy. And especially yes. youth soccer where again as somebody maybe that's faster, right? That's blazing by somebody right. or scoring goals or shooting right. from you know, where yeah, the the, the the folks that are maybe unnoticed are the ones that are quietly shielding it, making that move. Great trade on and, a pass. And again, like Nagby moving it to somebody else that's kind of getting the glory and again it kind of goes to the mesa thing sometimes that's just you know, who the I people was that are getting it, right? you know not getting noticed are actually right. some of the better players in the field
1: right you can read the game right and so you know coming along um in a club setting and in most of the other countries people are getting evaluated in a club setting they're coming through that club right and so um you know, you get to see players week in and week out and you get to notice and you find out, you know, that such and such has got an amazing first touch and, you know, makes the team better. Now, you still need coaches who can appreciate that. But even if you have a coach who appreciates it, even if you have the best coach in the world who can see that, I would be hard-pressed in American system for that coach to find those players. And so what I think is happening is we are losing some of those players along the way or at minimum the players who are playing at the highest level and keep getting promoted are the guys who are biggest strongest fastest and fastest and then then we find out oh they may or may not have a good first touch yeah. right so you know so whereas you know the, these kids who are coming through Argentina. You've seen it in in our pipeline at Atlanta United, right? They're on the street. They're they're playing, and they don't ever go to the club to be evaluated unless you know they're comfortable on the ball.
0: So, what would you do? You're you're involved more with youth soccer right now than I. Like, yeah. What would you change in terms of the? Um, you know, there's everybody. The limited time is is a thing. It's like limited resources. Like yeah. how do how do you change the way that U.S. soccer um, creates a better system to look at players at different ages um, to evaluate things like that that are you know technical in terms of something like a first touch and and also how do they develop it as a something that they're self aware of right? Like I don't remember. Like, I mean, it wasn't, it's not, not almost till now that I realize how important the first touch was to my own soccer game. And that's, you know, 30 years too late. <laughs> um,
1: well, I would ban tryouts. I mean, I would just ban it. And, it. and it would make a lot of people's lives difficult because there's a lot of reasons, practical reasons why those things exist. But it would force people to get into a different mode of evaluating Right. You know, if you just ban the tryout period, particularly when it comes to these special teams, you know, we've had for years, you know, state teams, ODP teams, and it's based on a tryout. Right. Those players are selected over usually two days. The so coach sees them for two days, you know, mostly they're following the ball in these whatever sides. So you're basically picking players on, you know, five or six moments. When you do that, you're going to pick the player who just jumps out fast at you. right? Yeah. It's just impossible not to. Even if you're the best coach in the world. You know, you would get, you know, if you get Guardiola or if you get Klopp, they're not going to find those players, you know. Yeah. And it's actually interesting. Like, for example, Liverpool has had all this success, right? Not against Watford. (laughs) Yes. But one of the things that's amazing about them is they haven't just signed the most high-profile players, the guys who are the superstars and dribbling by players and whatever, but they actually are now using really advanced analytics. And as part of that, they see completion rates. They see distance covered on the pitch. They see all these things that are really misleading about players. And they have now... Picked players and they said, Look, we can do certain things with this player, even if they're not messy. I mean, look, look at the players who have gone to Liverpool. They have not signed, you know, Barcelona is signing, you know, all all these players. They're signing, you know, know, Neymar and then it was Mbappe and all these superstars, right? But Liverpool, the guys who went there, you know, Sadio Mane and, you know, all these unknown players at the time, and they're great. Yeah. And, you know, even. P.T.
0: Martinez last year when I'm, I was even hating on him, like there was articles written that were the, the stat type of things are like, yes, but look at all this that's happening. That's not the moment where, yeah, he does make a bad pass and, you know, um, lets the team, you know, go or he's hanging his head. He's got bad body language. He's doing other things that are, you know, statistically relevant to the team's success. And, and I and think, you know, one of the things lie. I
1: worry about when we were talking about the, the Joseph injury is if Petey goes up top, right, you lose him sitting in behind doesn't someone. doesn't feel like the right move, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they're going to do that. Like,
0: even. But uh, who's
1: going to play up top? John?
0: Uh, you know, I mean, well, one thing I will say last night just watching him is, right, he's, he's certainly no Joseph. Like, no. nobody's going to claim that ever. But he is a big physical presence. So you can kind of see why they signed him. And, you know, if him bumping people around up front at least creates a little more space for P.T. and Barco to create, that might be our our hope. Now, of course, we need to sign somebody else.
1: Like, I'm not going to... Well you worry because there, that's not the case. He, that yeah. kind of a player seems perfect for coming in last ten minutes, you you're kinda of a little desperate for a goal, maybe get some crosses or whatever. Probably his
0: main reason for being signed, yes, but now we're in a different situation. But it,
1: you know, for the full ninety minutes, you gotta gotta have a guy who can combine and that was what was so brilliant about Joseph is not only could he score in the box, but yeah, he could drop bad. deep in the midfield yeah. and have that one little touch to get us going, yeah. you know. A little heel flick to yeah. PT on the
0: yeah. So yeah, let's um well no. Let's let move to me unless there's something else in Cat's Corner. This is I don't want to take your mic away. It's, no, you know, I think that's the... good.
1: What's got you fired up, Mikey? Dolls? Yeah, so this segment is
0: what has got Mike fired up, and just every once in a while, there's like these pet peeves in the game that um, they just itch at me. <laughs> I just I look at them over and over again, and I I experience them uh, in the game myself when people have an opportunity to have a free kick. On the soccer field, I am a big proponent of one player being over the ball and everybody get the hell away. Um, I find it to be a much better formula for success for that player to be focused at the job at hand for them to take a strike on goal. Um, And so mainly what I mean is free kicks where there's an opportunity to put it on, on the frame. Sure. Because obviously, if it's not, then two people aren't going to be over, over the ball, right? So these are these are situations where it's a pretty good goal-scoring chance, particularly when it's in that sweet spot, right? Where, um, man, it's it's not too close to the 18; it's a little bit back, so it means you can kind of arc it over the wall and put it, you know, in one of the corners, and it's a little off center. Those are the great ones, and I hate it. I hate seeing. Any team, when you're two superstars, the guys that are like, both of them could put it on frame, that they're kind of unsure who's going to take it, and there's this angst. And what that means is there's less time for the player that's actually going to take the shot to think about what's going on at that moment on the field, how the wall is shifting, what the goalkeeper is doing, how they're feeling internally, how they're going to position their body. And, you know, a great example of this is is Ronaldo. Um, when you watch him, ain't nobody else around him. Sure. He's like, get the hell out of my way. I am focusing. So I just thought of that as I went on this rant. Like, he's a perfect example. Is there anybody around Ronaldo when he's taking a free kick? No. He's like, get the hell out of my way. I'm going to put it on frame. You know what happens a lot of times? He puts it in the back of the net or it goes off the post or off the off the woodwork. And there's a reason for that. And the other thing is is if you've got two guys around the ball – uh, it, particularly if it's it's one of those ones where maybe it's a shot, maybe it's a, a cross, there there are those moments where it's a little in that further distance. Yep. Definitely don't put two people on the ball because get some more people in the box. Sure. So, again, that's just something, you know, I hope Atlanta United doesn't do with Barco and P.T. Yeah. We, we had a short corner plague last year that yeah. drove me nuts. That was like something that drove me nuts last year, and I kind of got fiery about it. No more Barco, P.T.,
1: postulate or that's the wrong word um you know over the ball so i think that what you're saying is incredibly insightful and i have noticed this also over the years which is when you have when you have a free kick and there's a team and there's multiple players and they all want it or whatever the guy often the guy who's very capable of hitting a free kick will muff it yeah. And I think it's absolutely because you're exactly right, which is you don't have the focus or whatever. But I actually am going to disagree with you slightly, okay? which is to say I think it's a product of people not knowing what the role is rather than having two people on the ball. So for example, on high, in, when I was in high school, there was a guy who was a terrific left footer right. and I was a right footer. And we would take the free kicks. We would both always do that. And we would look at it ahead of time. We would have a quick word and we would know which one of us is best. All right? So right? It's, it's funny that you said this as I had this argument in my head. I said, except for the exception,
0: minds the rule you're talking about the exception which is when you have good rapport between two players that played with each other a little while and they know who's
1: got the ball well you have to know your role and you have to be comfortable so if if but, but as you I, feel like that you are if if you feel like like ronaldo does that he's the free kick guy And no matter what happens, he's still going to be the free kick guy. He's very comfortable to do it. But if you have people fighting over it, you get your one chance, and you feel like, I have to score because if I don't, I'm not going to be the free kick guy anymore. And someone else is going to get their chance, and you're constantly fighting over it. You're not settled. And that's the difference. No, but
0: look, you got to make the decision who your free kick guy is. Yeah, but it could be a team. it. It could be two. No, stick with it. And it, it could be, too, if it's it's one guy on one side and one on the other or yeah, certain situations. Fair. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But stay consistent with it. Don't flip it because it's yeah. like it's like anything. Just keep – don't pull your money out of the stock market right now. Because just let it ride.
1: I agree. This idea that some coaches have that in the moment, you know, whoever is hot or whatever can take the free kick, uh-uh. Like I think everything has to have its role. And the reason it is because – if you know it's your role, you have confidence in what you're doing. And you know that if you mess up, you're not going to lose your spot. And that allows that freedom to be like, you know what? I'm going to try to put it in the upper 90. Yeah. Whereas if otherwise you're like, I better just get it on goal. Right. And it's a difference. It's a, it's a, it's a
0: confidence. So podcast listeners, next time you are watching any soccer game, Watch, watch the body language between the two players that stand over it uh, before a free
1: kick, and you'll, you'll start to see, see what I'm talking about. And if you see two players who are sort of fighting over who's going to get the chance, yeah. you can almost guarantee it's not going to be a good free kick. Ding, ding, ding. I agree with you completely. All right. So the other it's thing. Very insightful of you, Mike. Thank you. Asked. The
0: other thing that's got me fired up um, is a harebrained notion I have on promotion and relegation mm-hmm. in the United States of America. Not the MLS. I left that out. Did you notice that? Yep. <laughs> um, because I don't think it's ever going to happen, in, at least anytime soon, in the MLS. Um, maybe when the MLS reaches 40, we can have that conversation. We're at 30 in, what, two years? Um, so ironically, with 40, that means there's two groups of 20. Um, I'll get back to that. I, I don't know enough about the USL, Dave, to really know that my idea holds any credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, But one of the things I've noticed about soccer in the U.S. is the USL has at least started to become the league underneath the the MLS. Um, What I would like to see is more uniform structure underneath that in terms of whatever the other leagues are in smaller cities and geos across the U.S., right? Yep. Um, That all roll up into hashtag USL. And then the USL downward becomes our promotion relegation league in the United States. So that means that Arthur Blank needs to be willing to have his ATLU twos move down, which I think he would be a lot more willing to do than the uh, the first team, obviously, sure. which ain't going to happen. That's right. What, that's so that's, that's the, big the problem, thing, right? right? So if there's a discussion about promotion and relegation, why don't we start it there? What do you think of that idea?
1: I think it's a great idea, and. I was going to go a step further, which is to say, okay, so, you know, the owners would, with the franchise cost, nobody wants to spend $100 million on a new franchise, right? Let's say you're just bought in your Nashville, and I think it's, it's somewhere around that for a yeah, franchise I know. now. Um, and then a year later, you no longer have a team in the MLS because they just got relegated. Right. So that's a problem. they are not going to do it for a while. But... You could actually do it on the promotion side. So you could say, look, how do we, one of the problems we have now that we've identified many of the major cities that have teams, the question is, where do you put an additional team? How do you know whether or not any city is going to be, is it going to be Atlanta? Or is it going to be, you know, like Miami the first time around when nobody would went go to the games? And one of the things you could do is you could have whatever the league is, let it be let, let's say it's USL. But that's the first thing they need to solve. Yeah. But let's say you have the league and you say, all right, if you win X number of championships or something like this, let's say you, if you win three championships within a certain time period, you automatically get the right to buy an MLS franchise and enter the MLS yeah. or something. It right. would be an incentive for a small market to, to actually, you would say, all right, you need a certain size crowd attendance or whatever, and maybe a certain amount of success, but whatever the num whatever you put in for that thing, yeah. and then you would automatically get a right to buy an MLS team.
0: I like that too, but I also think it's going to take so much time. My, my other idea on this is, so create the construct across the United States where you've got the USL, it's the top of the pyramid below the MLS, and now you have promotional relegation under that same governing body yep. that runs the USL, right? So that's its own thing, yep. and now you've got that, and maybe, like, in Atlanta, maybe that's like the ADSL is right below that, and then you have every sure. le- everything underneath the ADSL is like from USL to first league in the ADSL right. to two, three, four, right? So it, it goes down. Divisions. That happens everywhere in every state in the United States. Right. So right well I guess that's Atlanta right so there's other soccer teams but it needs to be statewide I guess right where that needs to happen whatever so the other thing that could happen is instead of incentivizing whoever won the USL to have like an easier way into the MLS Mm -hmm. is I think 10 years from now you're going to have 40 teams in the MLS Yeah. and then what you do is then you naturally split it to where there's the top flight the premier MLS and then boop you create this new little level between the USL and that, which is like the league one mm-hmm. or champion league of the MLS. And then you've got USL and then what you've been building below all these 10 years now feeds into a true promotion relegation. And now you're ready for LA galaxy to get relegated all the way down to the fifth league. If they screw up,
1: mm.
0: uh, that's just like yeah. where my head is like dreaming of where it could go. And I think the way to start that is with the USL creating that
1: infrastructure below. Do you think at some point? I know you know from the Mexican side, people probably think it's all crazy. But do you think at some point there could be a merger between yes. MLS and League, League MX? Totally, I, I think that that is
0: quietly happening politically. Um, I and mean, we
1: are hosting the World Cup together.
0: Yeah. No, I and I think
1: the Concacaf I, Champions League, I think, is thriving.
0: I think that that's not such a harebrained idea that Liga MX and MLS could unify at some point in the future. Um, Or there's just a closer something there Mm -hmm. between the competition because it's just follow the money. What's his name? Charlie Stigliano from ESPN FC always says that. That that guy is a little bit of a character. But it's true. I mean the MLS is where the money is right now. Mm-hmm. And so Liga MX, especially with LAFC winning that game against Leon, I saw players' faces in that game. It was it was a bit of a pride punch mm-hmm. that has not happened in the CONCACAF champions and now we haven't done it yet, but it was it was the beginnings of something that I saw. Well, we won the Champions Cup. Yeah, and that too. And that was a right? bit so of a punch in the face, even though it was it's here. It's the beginning round of where this is all going in the MLS. And mm-hmm. I, I really, man, if, if I could figure out a way to financially invest in the MLS right now, I would stop working. You well, one thing that's been remarkable that people,
1: recently that. is the influx of top Liga MX Mexican players into MLS. Yes. And you're like, why is that going on? And one thing that's interesting is the a number of players keep saying that, well, you know, because one of the things that has prevented that in the past is the fact that the salaries were so much higher. And obviously now some of the salary structure has allowed the MLS teams to go out and pay more. But the other big incentive for some of these players is some of the cities are a little bit more... You know, and low-key. And, and and I mean that in the best way, which is some of the soccer craziness that is going on in Liga MX with some of the fans. Right. You know, like here, even in Atlanta United, when you have 72,000 a game, people are not, like, out to kill Joseph Martinez the moment he misses the penalty cut cac- right. right, semifinals. Or like River Plate and Boca. Where right. It's- you know, and there's a little bit of that nuts in Mexico. And I think some of the players are like, I like the huge crowds – but I could do with less of the crazy.
0: Yeah. Oh of course. Yeah. I mean the the American dream is still alive. I mean the you know, the, the same reason the Argentinian flux is here is for the same reason.
1: I mean one of the things that's been great about about Atlanta United, for example, is that we have a very, you know, ardent sort of supporters group and we have a very like enthusiastic crowd, but it's still a family environment. Yeah. Like, it, it's not a place where you feel at all uncomfortable bringing your kids to a game. Right. But, you know, it's it's interesting you say that is... Um,
0: I could see it getting a little crazier 10 years from now.
1: Yeah. And, it, you I know, mean, it a little is, crazier is probably okay. Yeah, a little crazier is probably You don't probably want to cross okay. the
0: line. Just don't cross the line. That's right. And I was saying the same thing. I was like, as long as it doesn't become... As, long as yeah it's kind of where EPL is right now um, minus a couple degrees would be like EPL
1: the... I feel like was across the line oh, for yeah. a while and yeah. has stepped back from the edge that, and it's that's a much I mean. better place like most EPL games are very safe mm-hmm. for a family environment to yeah. go
0: some some are a little dicey but depends right. on what the, the what the occasion is yep um all right let's move on to uh, CCL since we were just talking about laFC what do you think about Atlanta's performance against the
1: hondorians uh in Kennesaw. uh terrific i mean you know one of the things that you have to what i was asking myself is is that team really not that strong and particularly having to come after you know having played on the weekend and then flying all the way from honduras to here um was it that team is not that strong or was it that we were that good but you know we played them off the park like, yeah we and, did um We did. Um, And,
0: uh, you know, it was nice to see. And the best way I described it on the Twitter account, ATL on Fire, was that, you know, PT really struggled, but progressively struggled and got better through that entire game. He knew he wasn't playing well. He knew he was flubbering some things, even his free kick from 30 out going into the field goal. But it was... Again, I feel like he cared in that game, which is so different than what I was seeing from him with body language last year. And and with anything, like, body language matters so much. Like, his body language is positive. Um, His hustle was great. And he's human, and he messed up a lot. And then he got a lot better and had some phenomenal moments. What a great goal. Um, What a great... Second goal, just to stay focused and clean it, clean up the mess after Martinez smashed into the goalkeeper. Oh yeah,
1: the composure.
0: So like to me, yeah, he was clearly the man of the match of that second leg. Um, the first leg was great, one one, um, get it done in a you know, and I I think leg one, I give more credit to Frank de Boer. I don't know what are your thoughts there.
1: Yeah, it was well managed. Leg one, we went there last time. You know how. Even though I thought the side that we played in the first year was was worse, um, but we had a catastrophe on the road in our first outing. Yeah. And, um What did we lose that game? Three nothing to or
0: three one to Ariadano. It was three one. Yeah, that's right. Three one. We did get an away goal. Yeah, and then we came back and won three nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So that yeah. So there's two Honduran teams. There was. Uh, who, who's the team we play in? Mat- Matagua.
1: Matagua, yeah. And but I have to say, like, the Mexican teams have been wiping those teams. You know, Supriza yeah. from, from Costa Rica and, you know, the Honduras or whatever. They've been just annihilating them. And the MLS teams may be getting by, but sometimes losing. <laughs> and, you know, to see us waltz right through one... I think shows improvement in the league overall.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I, I think overall that's again another little step forward for MLS, and you're kind of seeing it in, in the Concacaf as a measuring stick. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely agree. And LAFC certainly was another example of that against Leon. Um, I mean they wiped the t- I mean they crushed them at home. Uh, Was't I mean, again, one of the few games I've watched an MLS team on my own time. Uh, on Saturday when I got other things maybe I could do and LAFC entertained me so congrats. they're a terrific side congrats LAFC congrats to them I mean that was it was I mean,
1: fun LAFC should have won the title last year they were the class of the whole MLS yeah, by far I agree how they how they Carlos choked. Vela like the way he's he's doing more than just scoring goals
0: is he's Clearly the best player in the MLS.
1: He is a superior talent. Yeah. I mean, he is... Uh, I mean, he was a guy, as we've talked about before on the podcast, right? He was a He was a top 10 kind of talent in And I still uh, want to dislike Spain.
0: him... From his like body language, everything, but I—you have to respect that guy. I mean, he's so good. I
1: don't know. It's funny because he's had these sort of moments where he's sort of been carefree, particularly yeah. in relation to the national team. He's been like, "Oh, I don't want to be called up. I don't want to do this or that." But um, you got to say his body language on the field has always been like. Like Al Moronish, like happy, yeah. like I'm no, going to go enjoy, I'm going lo- uh, to try I'm to make a fool it, out of you. Yeah, I'm looking at
0: it, it from the enemy's lens, yeah. right? but when I'm being unbiased, right? Like, yeah, he's he's enjoying his time on the field. He's got a positive attitude. Um, I might see it differently when uh, certainly Atlanta United is playing, but yeah,
1: he, he he just is out there just getting the job done. I don't know. He's a great player. I mean, a great player. I mean, you know, for those of you out there, maybe you're an Atlanta United fan, but not as big of an MLS fan overall. If you get a chance to see LAFC um, before Vela, you know, gets too old. and I mean, he's a class player. Because Chicharito is not going to be playing as well as him. No, it's funny because people are talking about Chicharito. And Chicharito, to be fair, Chicharito is a totally different kind of player. He's just a pure finisher. But... Vela is a class player, period. Like, can build up play, can assist, yeah. can score goals, can do the whole thing. Chicharito is not in that even no. stratosphere. No, he's not. And, uh, and I like Chicharito. He's a very pure but again, finisher. Like,
0: it is genius LA, LA Galaxy signed him. And now with Vela there, that they're going to have that rivalry is, again, a plus up for soccer in the MLS with especially the best player that's ever played in the MLS is Latan, as much as i made. And the, and honestly, that's another thing is Latan going to AC Milan and immediately he scored, already scored like seven, ten goals there. I don't know. Like yeah. He's already proved, proven that MLS is not a retirement league.
1: True. Is a, it AC is Milano, amazing to go is, back is to Is Europe. AC
0: Milan a retirement league? Anyone? <laughs> yeah, Anyone EPL. Agree. It is. It EPL is. snobs? Is AC a, Milan a retirement is retirement it's a, yeah. it's
1: a lower class league.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> but no, I mean that's I mean that says enough. Like that's how much of a badass, um, egomaniac he is. Um, but he just walks the walk. I mean, and
1: he he. I mean, I've watched. I'm watching AC Milan games because of him. Sure. Um, and finally, Al Moron seems to have found his feet. You know, a bit a little bit. He scored a few goals. Yeah,
0: it's been a little quiet the last month.
1: Well, only well, the last two weeks. But yeah, um, but. You know, you, you talk about P.T. and the adjustment period, and I think Al Maron's going through the same adjustment period as yeah. well. You could say, all right, this is his second full year, but it really is not. It's basically his full first year, because he played very yeah. only at the end of the last year. So, so I, had
0: my, I had my poll on the ATL on Fire Twitter account about the best um, movie that was not a documentary. Ah. And um, Rojas, which is like a, a bean reporter... Uh, he told me that none of my uh, selections were good, and he said "Goal," which is essentially the Miguel Amaron story. Have you seen the uh, the movie? No, goal? I have not. I would love to see that. Quite entertaining, and it's free on YouTube. Ah. for some reason, it's in 1080p on YouTube. Well, and so like I watched it the next night, and it is literally like the if you had to write a story of Miguel Amaron going from you know th- through his you know sandbox days to making it to newcastle united it's like this awesome drama very good
1: i'm gonna throw out two more mean machine which has so guy Ritchie, you know he's a director in england yeah. and uh he made a he did a remake of the longest yard which is an american prison movie right yeah With but uh... he did it with with soccer and it features vinnie jones um it was amazing in it and uh it's hilarious movie it's Awesome. It's an awesome soccer yeah, movie. Yeah, I,
0: I already... I have that on my list. I might watch that tonight, actually.
1: Um, <laughs> and the other one I was going to point out that I think is amazing... is Ladybug? It, huh? Ladybugs? No, not Ladybug. <laughs> um, it's a little bit less of a pure soccer movie, but there's a movie called Searching for Eric, and it's about a guy in England who's basically losing his mind and is going through a hard time. Um but he hears Eric Cantona talking to him all the time in his head and then there and it, it, Eric Cantona plays himself in the movie so Eric's talking to himself talking to
0: himself yeah it's amazing <laughs> it's, but it's
1: a it's a terrific movie so that's awesome anybody who's interested check out those two. highly recommend it
0: so the other poll I put out there on uh, on the on the tweet twitter twitter sphere is uh, best documentary on the other side of that equation mm. um, and there's so many good ones I mean that's a, that's pretty hard to put into uh, a square um, the ones I put up for bid were um, uh, what's uh, Class of 92 mm-hmm. um, also put in there uh, the new Diego Maradona the 19, uh, 2019 one um, and I put George Best Best. Mm-hmm. And what was the other one I put in there? Do you remember? No, I can't remember what the other one was. I don't know. There's so many good ones. So I don't know. What's your favorite? Do you
1: call that so the the the, the series that we've watched like when they did the series on the, the Boca River plate, you know, rivalry? What's Co- it's Copa ninety. Copa ninety. The, do, I don't know they... whether that counts as documentary or whatever sort Oh of. yeah. They yeah. That, it's been wonderful.
0: It, yeah, the Copa ninety on YouTube, they do a bunch of different types of I'm trying to figure out their whole cast. They do a, a lot of different types of uh, segments. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do like Derby Days, I think mm-hmm. is what it's called. And that was the Boca River Plate. They're
1: Darby Days. If you ever want to know what soccer or football means to this world, Oof. those documentaries on Derby Days Derby shows days. you. C- Cope,
0: Copa 90 is yeah, on Copa YouTube. 90. Look it up and, and search any Darby Days. They... You know, they'll show you what it's like to be in Germany experiencing,
1: uh, you know, Borussia Dortmund versus, you know, uh, um, why am I... Speaking of which, I mean, not, not to um, a little bit of a tangent, but have you seen the clips of Alf Holland? <sighs> that guy's a, a machine. <laughs> 19 why years he, old. Why didn't he play today? He wasn't on the field. I don't know. Apparently he had some slight knock or something okay. or whatever, but he is a baller yeah he might be good he reminds me of a actually in some respects of a young cristiano ronaldo he's big and he's fast and he's strong and he's got two good feet and he just loves to go at people and run up yeah. down the field and just has a joy for the game and he's like a terminator yeah and like sometimes I, I i've i've commented to my son a couple times and my daughter that you know it's not clear to me whether Cristiano Ronaldo is a human being or a robot. Yeah. <laughs> he might yeah, be the like, same as way. As
0: much as like, I want to dislike that guy, he might be a robot. Yeah. And he's Some of the stuff he does, Like I don't know, I watched this play the other day. It was like two weeks ago. He like dribbled down the, straight down the center of the field, and I don't know how he did it. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so we got off topic with the uh, performance of Atlanta United against... Oh. Uh, the Hondurians. Anything else to say there? Or? I,
1: mean, I mean, I thought we were brilliant um, yeah. in the second leg. Um, I mean, I mean, the one thing you have to comment on, perhaps, which is maybe, again, a little off topic, is, which is this continued use of Kennesaw. Right? I mean, it's one thing to say, all right, we're going to play Montagua or Heron, Heron, um, at Kennesaw. But now we're talking about, I mean, granted, it's because Mercedes-Benz is hosting the Final Four, but we're playing Copa... uh, We're playing Club America, sorry, in Kennesaw. They're playing us in the Azteca. I know. Which is like 100,000 people, and we're playing them in Kennesaw.
0: So what influence does Arthur have on this? I mean, all well in fairness
1: you know arthur when he built i mean it's just a matter of like it's
0: too late now because the contracts are already signed you know
1: well when he built mercedes-benz one of the things he wanted to do is which is a great goal is to bring the events all to atlanta he wanted the super bowl he wanted the final four all the big events right and that's part of the reason why they were insisting on having a Uh, Roof and a retractable roof at Mercedes because that allows you to have the Super Bowl when it's cold, or and it allows you to have basketball, for example, which you can't have in an open air stadium. Yeah. Um, So we got them all. Like we were hosting, we've hosted the college championship, we've hosted the Super Bowl, we've hosted now we're hosting the Final Four. So, you know, in fairness to that, okay, that's a special event that's not going to be coming all the time. But And so maybe you would forgive them, let's say, if we had been playing Mercedes-Benz for all them and now they have to use Kennesaw for even a huge match like Club America, maybe you could forgive it. But the problem is, is outside of our MLS schedule, right, we've now playing all of our Champions League at, at Kennesaw and, yeah, I don't, it doesn't sit right. I don't love it. It negates our huge home field advantage yeah. at some level. I mean Kennesaw is also very fiery. I mean we were there for the Hernando match and um, you know, it's the atmosphere was great. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so what
0: do you think our odds are to beat Club
1: America? Not good. Yeah, you're
0: gonna have to park the bus at some level. I am gonna throw ten fifteen percent with Justin Martinez like out. Ten percent.
1: Right? Yeah. I would have said with Joseph Martinez and the way we looked in the first thing I probably would have bumped us all the way up to maybe 35 40%. Yeah. I thought we had a legit chance to beat them. Yeah. But without Joseph and yeah. and not even just without Joseph, but with it coming so close to the start of that that match, then um, you know, we don't have time to build a new attack structure between now and that. So Now, in fair, one thing I like about De Boer is that, you know, it's a blessing and a curse, a strength and a weakness, right? And that he's so tactically flexible that if anybody is going to come up with a way to survive without Joseph, you got to figure De Boer is one of the better people to have. Tata had his thing, but, you know, he, Tata was very fortunate that we didn't have major injuries because we were playing the same way all the time. And if anybody is... More prepared to survive without Joseph, it's probably Deborah. Yeah, so he's going to earn his his you know his salary this year, man. So,
0: I podcast listeners, you know, I really was trying to get into the MLS budget, not the cap, because there's a budget. It can there really is no cap. So if you're going to come away with anything on that front this evening, that you know the MLS is structured to try to make the you know financial stability of the league um, stable um, but also try to work through things like they're doing with the last cba to try to make the spending power of each club more uh, so we can compete against clubs in league MX and and bring in talent from abroad um, dave i've got some poker chips out here for you know representing the the 20-man roster which includes three designated players um, and then the other, the other folks on there. But um, anything you, you want to recap on that in terms of uh, what, what you learned from the budget uh, conversation on MLS and how I works, learned how much so to
1: much from the about the budget from from you and what you've talked about. I mean, I was totally ignorant on the budget. I would say that if you want to follow up, send your questions to our Twitter account at ATL on Fire.
0: Yeah, do, please do and. Um, Glad you guys tuned in. And Dave, is there anything else you want to talk about before we close this thing out? I think we've been going here for an hour and 25 minutes, so this might be our longest podcast ever.
1: <laughs> this is part of our motto. Every podcast is the longest podcast ever. When you're talking Atlanta United and football, then... Uh, a hundred and twenty-five minutes is just a flash, Mikey. It's does. easy. It's real
0: easy. <laughs> um, Joseph Martinez, if you're listening, and I know you are, uh, uh, please get back to to health quickly. Be on the faster side of that spectrum. ACLs typically take four to six months on the good side of things, but it can take nine months to a year, so you know,
1: that guy is so driven, I wouldn't put it past that bastard to get back faster than yeah, you would imagine. But I just but don't want him to rush it. We wish you the best, Joseph. I mean ugh And how about he's that mural? how about that mural? Do you see that thing? Yeah, it's amazing. And yeah, you know, this is the thing about Joseph Martinez, not just a player, but he has embraced Atlanta. He's the heart and soul of our club.
0: Yeah. I mean he's the number one star of Atlanta sports.
1: I always go back to, I can't remember the game, but there was a game where we were down and the other team was just time wasting. It was one of the worst games at Mercedes-Benz ever. And one of the their players was faking an injury and was down and joseph martinez grabbed the ball at midfield and he ran all the way down to the goal and he put the ball down and he kicked the ball on the goal and the, the crowd the supporters crowd, like cheered him or whatever and then he went and get the ball and he was running back towards midfield like he was going to put the ball back and he was like nah he turned around and kicked it in the goal again i mean it just shows you that it's like that's what i do that's what you know has. and yeah. uh you know i i need to support my family by kicking the ball in the golf right and so you know here's to you joseph yeah man all right everybody thanks for listening see ya all right
0: thanks for listening if anybody actually made it this far in the podcast love to hear your feedback on twitter at atl on fire and tell your friends to subscribe we are on itunes google play and really any sort of podcast uh, platform that you're on so do listen again have a good one